At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Good morning. I'm a sports fan. <laughs> I'm a sports fan. I'm a Detroit sports fan, to be more specific. I like all things Tigers and Lions and Pistons and obviously the Red Wings. Love Detroit sports. Now, I want you to know I regularly wear the Old English D on my head. On Thanksgiving Day, I will often pull out my Matthew Stafford jersey. If you go to my closet, there's a lot of logos from our favorite Detroit sports teams. And I'm sure, I know some of you, but I'm pretty sure most of us have our fair share of team gear. (laughs) Do we have any ushers? (laughs) I want to take a quick aside now. Uh, You might say, well, wow, Pastor, that's a little over the top, the jersey and all that stuff. You might really be a fan. Let me tell you about my friend Gary. I have a friend named Gary in uh, Colorado, and this guy loves the Denver Broncos. So much so that when they uh, remodeled or demolished the old stadium and built a new stadium, he went and bought some stadium seats. So here's what he does every Sunday. He has those stadium seats on a platform. He rolls them out, pushes them in front of the TV, puts on his Broncos jersey, and that's how he watches his NFL game every Sunday. You see, you might look at my Red Wings sweater and you might think, well, you look kind of foolish. You look a little bit ridiculous. But I want you to know that if you are a sports fan, wearing your team's gear makes you just that much more legit. Serious. But here's what's also true. I can wear this Red Wings jersey. It does not make me a part of the team. I can put on this Red Wings jersey and my office is not Little Caesars Arena. I can put on this jersey and Steve Eiserman is not my boss. That's reality. Because there is a major difference from wearing a jersey that I bought at Rally House to actually taking the ice with a winged wheel on my chest. There's a big difference. Now, here's the reality. The same can be said for you and for me on our journey of faith. Many of us will gladly wear the jersey. We will gladly put on the gear. But we never really get into the action. We never really take that step and get into the experience and get into the action. So today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a portion of God's Word that calls us, that invites us into the action. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But before we do, let's pray together. Gracious God, you are our Heavenly Father and you've invited us here today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to sing your truth. 
whether it is an old classic hymn or some new songs, they stir in our hearts, God. And God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to sing your praise today, to enter into your house, to be with other believers on the journey of faith. And God, we are humbled that we not only get to sing, we get to experience community, but we get to commune with you. That's what we're here for today. So God, would you help us? Would you help us now enter into the truth that is found in your word? May we put away the distractions of our week. May we put away the distractions of our world and be able to focus solely on you and on your word. God, we acknowledge that your word is true. It's truth and has everything we need to walk out our faith today. So help us do that. Give us eyes to see the truth of your word, ears to hear the truth, and then the courage that it will take to walk out this truth in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our series is titled Unshakable, and that's really the posture that the Apostle Peter wants for you and me as believers on the journey of faith in an intense culture. That's what he was writing to, to the people in that first century experience. He was writing to a group of Gentile believers. They were in exile, and they were in the midst of a culture that was going crazy. Difficult times, to be sure. And that's why when we turn to God's Word, it has great relevance for you and for me today. So let's grab our Bibles. And let's turn together to 1 Peter. We're going to be looking at chapter 2. We're going to pick it up at verse 4. 1 Peter, chapter 2, starting at verse 4. Here's what Peter writes. He says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the words as they were destined to do. The Apostle Peter has just changed the narrative a bit. Now, when I say he's changed the narrative a bit, last Sunday, Pastor Ben helped us see the significance of experiencing the love of God, the goodness of God for his people. Now, as we continue in here in Peter's epistle, what we're going to find is an emphasis on the foundation of our faith and how you and I are called to get into action, 
how you and I are called to serve and to minister together. Now, here's what I want to challenge you. Remember, it is not just putting on a jersey. You and I are invited to get into the action. So, as we get ready, we're going to dive a little deeper in today's biblical text. I want to encourage you with this. We, what we just read was a very small segment of text. Oftentimes, I will stand up here and we will read through a chapter. Oftentimes, we can read through a dozen verses. Today is just four verses. But I don't want you to be fooled into thinking that it's not significant, because it is. The little text that I just read is packed with foundational truth for everyone who professes to be a believer in Jesus Christ, all of us. Let's dig in. Verse 4. It says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, that is Jesus. And Peter says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a phrase there in that text that came out two times. Did you catch it? The phrase was living stone. Sort of a strange term, isn't it? I mean, really, when we walk around in our culture, even when we're in the Christian community, that's not necessarily a phrase that we toss around very often. But it's so important. It is so significant. Peter is helping you and I to see that Jesus is the living stone. That's Jesus. And then he adds that all of us who come to faith in Christ are made into living stones. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person you came with and look at them and say, you are a living stone. That leads us to an obvious question, doesn't it? Pastor, what does that mean? <laughs> it means simply this, that believers are part of something much bigger than you and I realize at first glance. God is building a spiritual temple. He is building a spiritual house. And all who have faith in Jesus are a part of it. All of us. And this provides the first of two truths for you and I today as believers. Every Christ follower should know that your place is in the house of God. Believers, you and I can know that we have a place in the house of God. In a world that craves to be a part of a movement, anytime you turn on the TV, you're seeing movements of people. This is what our world craves, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And I want you to know that it does not get any bigger. It does not get any more significant than what Jesus is building. It's a community that he calls his church. And friends, God's church is the largest, the most influential, the most culture-shaping, the most people-loving, the most life-changing movement in the history of the world. That's God's church. And I want you to know that it's not my opinion. 
It's a fact. When you read the book of Acts, you will see that's where it is mobilized and sent out. And believers, you are part of that movement today. What began in the book of Acts and was sent out, you and I are part of that today. And so are others who are gathering around our region, around our state, around our nation, and around the world. That is the movement that you and I are a part of. Which leads us to two things. I hope when I say that, you're humbled by that. I hope that that humbles you in your spirit because of the significance of it and that God has called you to be a part of it. But I also hope that you and I see the significance of that reality for reaching out into our world today. That's our calling. God's church is built with living stones. And that should be a powerful draw, not only for us, but as we reach out into the next generation. They crave to be part of a movement. This is the movement that we should be inviting them to. This should be the movement. And before we move on from our text, I want to take a moment to consider a couple of the phrases that we heard in that passage. Specifically in verse 5, there's a few of them we are referred to as living stones. And then we're also referred to as something called a royal priesthood. We're going to get to that in a minute. But it says that we are being built up, we are being pulled together into a spiritual house. I want to camp on that idea of a spiritual house for just a moment. That imagery that we're looking at here, it is made up of living stones. Now let me highlight one reality. A house is never built on one stone alone. It's just a stone. Frankly, a single stone, a single brick by itself is pretty useless. Unless, of course, that brick, that stone is incorporated into the context of other bricks and other stones. So it is with the spiritual house that God is building. You see, there is no real power, there is no real growth, there is no real gospel movement for the Christian who tries to go it alone. This thinking That whole concept, that whole idea is why I wrote my book, The Unfinished Church, a number of years ago. Because too many people in our world today would say, you know what, I love Jesus, but I'm really not interested in the whole church thing. Friends, our faith is not a la carte. It just isn't. This is why St. Augustine once said, he cannot have God for his father who will not also have The church is his mother. St. Augustine. And in our text today, Peter is helping us see all who are in Christ are part of this massive spiritual home, this massive building project. It's powerful. But there was another phrase in verse 5 that I want to hint at for just a moment. I want us to take a look at. Here's what it says. It says, you yourselves, like living stones, 
are being built into a spiritual house. We've already looked at that. To be a royal priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Believer, you can rejoice today that you are part of something bigger than yourself. That's something that should put a smile on everybody's face here. You're part of something bigger. God has invited you into something bigger than yourself. But here's the deal. You have a role to play. You are called to get into the action. Here's the role. You're a priest. Anytime... Anytime a believer engages with that idea, you'd say, wait a second, what? I'm a priest? It's an understandable response, but that's what the text says. You see, at the meaning or the the practical meaning that's at the heart of that text of what Peter writes to us is actually something that is very significant and very powerful and invites us into action. It means that God has given all who believe a role within his movement. All who believe are called to make spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. Now let me pause right there because that elicits another question, doesn't it? What? I have to make sacrifices? I kind of thought that went out with the Old Testament. Because of Jesus, believers no longer need to bring grain offerings or animal sacrifices. That has been diminished. That has been pushed away, pushed aside. Jesus has fulfilled that. But here's where it connects with you and me. Our priestly offering is far more significant than grain or an animal. You guys know what it is? It's ourselves. It is our very lives. That is what our spiritual offering is. Everything we do, everything we say, the whole of our lives, what we do on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday evening, and on a Wednesday afternoon, all of it is seen as a spiritual sacrifice because God loved us and God made a way for us and God has forgiven us. Therefore, Offer a spiritual sacrifice. That's what the priesthood means. That's what it means for you and I to play a role in the movement. There's no part of your life that does not matter to God. It's not that I walk in on a Sunday morning and I look good and I say hi to some Christian friends and then I go about my business and I do whatever I want to do. Your marriage matters to God. Your career matters to God. The way you parent your children matters to God. The way you handle your finances matters to God. The way you speak about and to others matters to God. And finally, even in this intense season, the way you vote matters to God. So let me be clear. If you are keeping score today, that means your time, 
your talents, and your treasures. They are all to be offered up as a spiritual sacrifice to God. This is why the Apostle Paul encouraged the believers in Colossae with these words. It's a very familiar passage. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through So friends, if you were in Christ today, you are called to sacrifice all of those things to him. To fulfill the mission of his will. You and I are called to make those sacrifices to fulfill the mission of God's movement in our world. Now let's look back at our text. Picking it up at verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So after giving God's people, a word of encouragement and speaking into their calling, saying, you are a group of living stones. You're part of God's movement. Peter's tone changes a little, once again. What he does is he quotes a pair of Old Testament passages. He moves from this noble vision for God's people to a word of warning. He says, don't trip, don't stumble, don't fall down over the living stone, the cornerstone, Jesus, the word of God. You might say, well, how could I do that? How could I possibly stumble over Jesus? You see what Peter is referencing here. A passage from the Psalms, the Psalter, and a passage from the book of Isaiah. He's reminding believers in exile. Remember, he's writing to this group of people. And he says the same stone as the cornerstone of God's new covenant people is also the stone that causes many people to stumble and to fall. And that gives us our second truth today. That you and I are challenged not to stumble over the word of God. Not to stumble over Jesus, the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith. I'd say, well, how, how could I stumble over him? Try making any kind of bold, declarative statement about Jesus in our politically charged culture today. Go online. Do something maybe as bold as quoting John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Put that on your feed. See how that goes. You see, the reality is that is a truth claim that Jesus himself makes. And it is exclusive because he's the cornerstone. And so whether you're in a classroom, whether you're in a boardroom, whether you're on social media, there will be pushback when you make that kind of statement. You'll feel it. People will say, well, that's way too exclusive. It's overly dramatic. It seems intolerant to me. 
That's what it means to be offended by the claims of Christ. That's what it means to stumble over the person and the work of Jesus. You see, many people, many people stumble when they're called to repent of their sin. Many people struggle to believe the man who died on a cross to pay the penalty of their sin. And still others struggle to surrender when the gospel is clearly laid out, clearly proclaimed. May this not be true of you this morning. It's my prayer for each and every person here today, that you, that you will sense and know the deep, deep love of Jesus. That you will know it, that you will sense it, that you will experience it in a personal way. That's my hope for you today. Whether you've been coming to church for 40 years or you've been coming online for the last two weeks. It's my prayer that you would know the living stone that you would know Jesus as the cornerstone and that he may become the foundation of your life as you place your faith in him, as you trust in him. Now as we close, I want to have a moment of brutal honesty with you, pastoral honesty. Jesus, the living stone, the cornerstone, causes many to stumble, and this is why Peter closes out his text in those kind of harsh words. They stumble because they disobey the word. They fail to offer God their whole lives. They fail to offer the spiritual sacrifices that God desires from all of us. Church, may this not be true of us. May it not be true of us. Instead, May it be said of the living stones here at Woodside that we not only believe in Jesus, we not only have the gear, but that we truly walk in his ways. That our lives would be built upon the cornerstone. That our lives would be built upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So we gladly offer our souls. We gladly offer our minds. We gladly offer our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice to Almighty God. And friends, that is what it means to get into the action. And that's an act of worship. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.